was in a similar situation to Pastor Reisinger, except my dad asked me to, to speak at 8 o'clock this morning. When I woke up, I had a text. Um, but unlike Pastor Reisinger, I don't have those files to go back to. Um, so I was, <laughs> I was scrambling all afternoon to put something together here. And uh, my dad did have me on the schedule to speak next Sunday night, so I kind of had some thoughts bouncing around in my head. Um, so this won't be as organized as I'd like it to be, and um, actually probably I'm going to be presenting tonight probably turn into more, maybe a, a couple messages, but I'd like to, to speak tonight um, on something that I've been convicted about recently and something I think is important. So um, just to start out, would we all turn to Psalm 15? Psalm 15, and once you'll get there, we'll go ahead and read the whole psalm. So Psalm 15, starting in verse 1. Lord, who shall abide in thy tabernacle? Who shall dwell in thy holy hill? He that walketh them rightly, and worketh righteousness, and speaketh the truth in his heart. He that backbiteth not with his tongue, nor doeth evil to his neighbor, nor taketh up reproach against his neighbor, in whose eyes a vile person is contemned. But he honoreth them that fear the Lord, and he sweareth to his own hurt, and changeth not. He that putteth not out his money to usury, nor taketh reward against the innocent. He that doeth these things shall never be moved. And I'd like to speak on this evening on the topic of honesty. Honesty. Like I said, it's one of those topics um, that we learn at a very young age. You know, I'm sure we can all remember back. Um, we've been in church a long time to sitting in some sort of children's meetings and, and hearing, you know, teaching on lying and, and honesty. But um, I think part of the reason we learn those things at a young age, some reason those things are taught, um, is not because it's something you grow out of, like diapers or, you know, Gerber's carrot stuff. <laughs> um, and I don't think it's something that we master. Um, and don't have to think about it anymore, you know, like walking or, or being able to sleep the whole night through without crying. Um, I think a reason we learn things like this at a young age is because they're, they're foundational to the Christian life. And I think honesty is one of those things. And as I was thinking this through, um, I thought about how our country really used to value morals. And um, as, I, as I traveled um, last couple months when I was gone, um, part of what we had to do is, is every week we'd set up what we called our war room, and that's basically where we'd have night rallies where all the, the teens would come in and we'd have our preaching times. And part of the preparation was is we, is we had all these posters representing the different um, branches of the military, uh, the Navy, the Army, and the Marines. And all these posters, a lot of them recruiting posters and such, and they all had these slogans on them. Um, you know, pretty, pretty manly slogans um, like, honor is never off-duty. And there is no easy way to excellence. The timid need not apply. The few, uh, the proud, the Marines. There's men, and then then there's Marines, and, and all these all these you know very manly slogans. And um, as I was looking at those, as I was reading those, I was kind of thinking, you know, these these are almost these are almost you know kind of relics of, of kind of a day gone by in our history. Um, I think I think those still apply to a lot of people in our country. But as a, as a society, it seems like we've moved away from really valuing morals like we once used to. 
with, with morals like, like truth and honesty and the virtues really being an important part of the fabric of our society. Um, we live in a day where virtues are not really seen as something to be attained. They're not prized like they used to be. Um, we've become very pragmatic, I think, in our thinking and our approach to life. Um, it seems like truth in particular is not valued as it once used to be and is willingly traded for power and position. Um, now it seems in politics, it's not so much about who tells the truth, but about who lies the most convincingly. Um, the truth is broken, stretched, skewed, twisted, and shaded. And what is valued is not what is true, but rather what is convenient and socially acceptable. You know, long gone are the days of Washington and the cherry tree. Who's familiar with that story? Um, stories, you know, Washington, George Washington, um, father of our country. So the story goes, um, his father came out and found him with an axe in his hand and one of his prized cherry trees cut down. And his father said, George, you cut down the tree. And, and George famously said, Father, I cannot tell a lie. And then he, he um, confessed to chopping down the cherry tree. Um, another one of our, our great, you know, men in the history of our country is Abraham Lincoln, known as Honest Abe. And another story of him says he walked 10 miles after work to, re, to return a few pennies to a customer that he had given wrong change to. Men of honesty. They said, it seems like our society seems to be changing and values like that just aren't valued like they, like they used to be. However, though our society may be changing, Christian values have never been based upon what is socially acceptable. And honesty is still something that is very, very valuable and highly prized by God. So I'd like to speak tonight just on this character trait of honesty. And a lot of what we go over in the beginning, I think, won't be new. Um, a lot of these things we know, we could say. So a lot of it will be a review, I think, at the beginning, kind of laying foundation. Hopefully at the end we'll get to maybe some more um, application that hopefully will be helpful. So you to just pray in opening this evening. Dear Lord, I do just pray that you'd be with me um, as I speak and would you just help me um, just to, to be faithful to your word and Lord, um, just to, Lord, to speak the truth tonight and, and just to um, help me, my understanding, Lord, just help me to be able to convey um, these truths clearly in your name I pray. Amen. So first off, I'd just like to look at the fact that honesty is a character trait of God and that God hates deception. And over and over again, we see in Scripture that God highly values honesty. Um, and a lot of those would be in the negative sense that we see how much God hates dishonesty. You think of the story of, of Achan. And obviously, um, a big part of the story is God commanded, one of his very clear commandments was that when they went in and they, they destroyed Jericho, they weren't supposed to take any of the spoils. And Achan um, very obviously disobeyed that. But I think another part of it is, is that Achan hid his sin. If you remember, he buried everything he had taken in the floor of his tent. And Josh, or, yeah, Joshua um, and Moses actually gave, or Joshua would have been, Joshua gave a chance for the culprit, the one who had disobeyed, to come forward. And Achan didn't do that. And I think it was because of 
because of his dishonesty in part that such a severe sentence came down not only on him, but on his family as well. Think of the story almost similar of Ananias and Sapphira in the New Testament. And what was their sin? What was the sin that Peter brought against them? They, they had lied to the Holy Spirit. They had lied to God. And God struck them dead because of it. God hates dishonesty. Um, in John 8.44, we see the story of Jesus. He's speaking to some unbelieving Jews. And he said that they were like their father, Satan. He then describes Satan as one who abode not in the truth, because there is not truth in him. It said, when he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. And this is probably, speaking of Satan as the, as the father of lies, is probably a reference back to, probably all remember, the Garden of Eden, where he deceived Eve and lied to her. And from there, um, the rest of us have been lying ever since. So Satan is a liar. And the thing about Satan is, Satan, Satan really does nothing original. Satan's um, really not all that original. Pretty much everything he does, he takes what's good about God and he perverts it. And we know that God is a God of truth. Therefore, Satan is a liar and he twists that truth and does the converse. And Satan is a liar. And that's a quality of Satan. Um, we see another example of honesty being a character trait of God. We see many times... Um, in the Old Testament, we see an example given of, of just weights. You see that in Leviticus 38, um, as part of the commandments. God, through Moses, is telling the children of Israel that they weren't to use um, unjust weights. You see that mentioned several more times in Proverbs. Proverbs 16:11, um, being one of those. And basically, the idea was is is, is in those days, um, the way you would pay for things is is a lot of times um, you'd use precious metals. And you you determine um, how much that weight was the, how much that metal is worth by the weights. So you had a set of weights, and you had or you had a set of scales, and you had set weights, and you put the metal in and you balance it out. And if you changed the weight of those those base weights, um, then you could you could gyp someone essentially. So the idea of of just weights, someone someone in the Old Testament in the Hebrew culture, someone who had just weights was synonymous of someone who was, had good character, who was an honest person. So the idea of, of just weights. God is a God of honesty. We see this even more strongly in Proverbs 6. Um, kind of the, the, the passage there is talking about seven things that God hates. And it's, it's hard to think of a, of a stronger word than the word hate. These are seven things that God hates. And one of those is, actually, let's go ahead and turn over there to Proverbs chapter 6. Because there's several of them that are along the lines of honesty. So Proverbs chapter 6, um, verses 16 to 19. Proverbs 6, 16 to 19 says, These six things doth the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination unto him. And again, there's, there's really no stronger word in the Bible than that word Abomination. A proud look, verse 17, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that deviseth wicked imaginations, feet that be swift to running to mischief. Verse 19, a false witness that speaketh lies, he that soweth discord among the brethren. So you see three, um, two very clearly, if not three, all have to do with the idea of honesty. You see the second one there, a lying tongue, 
And then in verse 19, a false witness that speaketh lies. And then he that sowed discord among the brethren um, is, is falling along the same lines as well. So we see two very um, explicitly, three maybe implicitly, of these seven things that God hates have to do with dishonesty. God hates dishonesty. It's, it's an abomination to him. Why is that? Well, that is because God is truth. God is truth. And we see the idea of God being truth also very strongly um, in the Bible. And it's actually very clearly referenced to all three parts of the Trinity we see in reference to truth. Um, we see in, um, for example, Psalm 119 over and over again, we see the idea of, of his word being truth. Um, it says, I have chosen the way of truth. Thy judgment have I laid before me, referencing his word. And Jesus, as the living word, um, we know is truth. John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Um, the Holy Spirit, we see in 1 John 5, 6, confirms truth. 1 John 5, 6 says, and it is the spirit that beareth witness because the spirit is truth. And the Bible teaches that when we hear something, uh, specifically the word of God, it is the Holy Spirit that's in our heart confirming that. Yes, that's true. Yes, that's true. Yes, that's true for you. And that's part of the Holy Spirit's ministry to us is he confirms what's true in our heart. And I'm sure we've all felt um, the opposite of confirming truth, um, that, uh, that feeling of, of um, conviction, which is the Holy Spirit telling us when something isn't true, uh, when something is, is false, maybe in our own life. So God is truth. It's, it's, it's part of at the very core of who God is. The Bible says God is a God who cannot lie. He is truth. He, he always speaks truth. He is truth. He is the definition of truth. So God hates lying, and God is truth. And now in the second section, I want to kind of bring maybe a little more specific application of where I wanted to go with this. Um, and that is the idea of truth is a tool of God, and deception is a tool of Satan. Truth is a tool of God, and deception is a tool of Satan. So based on what we've already seen about God and his character being truth, we see that God always operates in truth. Um, the gospel, what is the gospel? The gospel is the good news of truth. Um, what is, you know, the whole purpose of this book? The whole purpose of this book, his word, is, like what I talked about, so we can have a source of truth, the ultimate source of truth. How do we know whether or not something is true? We go to his word. If you see it in the word, it's true. Without that baseline, I mean, you have to have some sort of base for truth. You know, some people think, you know, everyone, everyone has their own truth. You have your truth. I have my truth. Everyone's truth is true. Well, <laughs> by definition, that can't be true. Um, truth is truth because it's true, and you can only have one truth. You can't have two things that are opposing be true. I mean, by definition, that can't, that's just not true. Well, I just use true a lot of times in a row there. But, no, you have, to, you have to have something as the base of truth. And we all know and believe that it is this book. It is God's word. So God always operates in truth. Jesus himself claimed to testify of the truth. Um, when he was standing before both the Sanhedrin and Pilate and Herod, he made the claim that he spoke the truth. And they'd ask him for questions, and he said, I speak the truth. And he said, I came to bear witness of the truth. So God always operates in truth. 
Now, <clears throat> along with that, um, it's one of the, one of the things I wanted to kind of key in on, and that is the idea of of confession. So. The idea that truth is a tool of God and deception is a tool of Satan. And I believe a part of the tool of truth that God uses in our lives, can use in our lives very powerfully, is, is the idea of confession. Um, and I think the idea of confession is, is something that a lot of people have differing, differing opinions on. Um, and when you hear the word confess, you know, kind of different ideas come to your mind. But I think having, having an understanding of what confession is, is, is very critical to, to the Christian in his life and having a, a victorious Christian life and really, really having an open relationship with God, which is what the Christian life is supposed to be all about, right? Um, when you get saved, yeah, there's a lot of things that go along with that, including eternal life. But the whole, the whole point of eternal life is the fact that we get to spend an eternity with God. And that started the moment you were saved. You know, salvation, isn't, salvation doesn't equal heaven. Salvation equals a relationship with God. And that starts the day you were saved. And having that open relationship before God um, is super important. I mean, you can, you can be saved, believe in God and what he's done for you, and yet live such a life where there really isn't much of a relationship. And that, that's, that's kind of a really sad place to be in because you miss out on, on I mean, the whole, kind of the whole point of salvation, that there are a new relationship with God. Um, and I think confession is, is an important part of that. We know that confession plays into salvation. Um, you have to confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. Um, you see the idea of confessing. Um, and I've heard confession described as agreeing with God agreeing with God. When you confess, you're agreeing with God about something. So the idea of confessing sin, it isn't necessarily, you know, having to go around and, you know, tell everybody everything you've ever done. The idea of confession is, is agreeing with God about your sin. So when God convicts you about something, God points something out to you in your life, it's not you just go around and tell everybody, okay, this is what I've done, this is what I've done. That doesn't equal confession. Confession is saying, okay, God, yes, this is wrong. I see that this is wrong. I'm agreeing with you that this is wrong. And therefore, I know I need to change. I need to obey you in this area. That's, that's the true idea of confession. Confession isn't necessarily, you know, airing out your dirty laundry, as the term is, for all the world to see. And confession isn't, also isn't, you know, just, just the idea of honesty, so you look good in the, in the, in, you know, the eyes of people. Um, like you think of the, you think of the, the Pharisee. Um, what, what was the reason Jesus was so hard on the Pharisees? One of the reasons was is that they did things for the eyes of men, and they, they tried to be humble um, in the eyes of men. You remember um, the Pharisee who was praying, and he said, I'm thankful I'm not as this publican is. I'm thankful I'm not a sinner. And he kind of missed the whole point. He kind of missed the whole point of confession um, because we're all sinners, and I think some of us are honest enough to, to see that, and some of us aren't. Um, so confession is, is agreeing with God. And... This goes right along with James 1.8. So we all turn over to the book of James, chapter 1. Just want to look at this verse really quickly here. James 1.8. It said, says, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Just want to read that again, James 1.8. 
a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. And for, honestly, for a long time, you know, I heard the verse a lot, and I didn't really understand what it meant. Um, but just the idea, I think, of a double-minded man is someone who, in a sense, is, is living two lives. There's, there's what you present on the outside, and there's what you are on the inside. Um, and I think, I think to one level or another, all of us, all of us live there. All of us live there. And, you know, it's a really bad place to be in. Um, in my own personal testimony, there was, there was many years where I lived two lives. There was what I showed everyone else, and there's what I knew I was on the inside. I was living a secret life. And <laughs> if, you've, if you've ever been in a place like that, you really, you really come to understand this verse, because I was really un- unstable <laughs> in everything I did. Um, because you're living a lie. You're living a lie in a sense. Um, and nothing you do is stable. There's, there's, no, there's no sense of, of purpose and, and really moving forward. Um, and that's, that's what I think the beauty of confession is. Because when you get honest with God, and when you get honest, I think part of that might be getting honest with people you might need to get honest with, um, if it's something that pertains to them. But when you get honest to God, with God about your sin, and you get honest to the people you need to be, and you take that step, you are, you are effectively taking a tool out of the hand of Satan, and you're putting it in the hands of God. And what do I mean by that? I think, I think one of the tools that Satan really uses in our lives is dishonesty. And, and lying, and deception. Um, because what does the Bible say in, in Proverbs 28, 13? Uh, why don't we go ahead and turn over there? It's a really familiar verse. I just want to take a look at this. Proverbs 28, 13. And we could probably all quote this. <clears throat> Verse we pretty familiar with, probably have all memorized one time or another. But Proverbs twenty eight thirteen, he that covereth his sin shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. And with the whole point of, of truth is a tool of God, but deception is a tool of Satan. What I mean by that is we already seen that Satan is a liar, and I think one of the ways Satan really has power over our lives is through lying and deception. Because once you're saved, we all know scripturally that Satan no longer has control of your life. Um, he has no claim to anymore. He has no power over your life unless, unless you give it to him. And I think when we are deceitful, when we're dishonest, when we lie, we are in effect giving Satan a tool to use in our life. Um, the Bible talks about giving, giving place to the devil. And it's almost like when we lie, um, we're giving ground to Satan. We're giving ground for him to use in our lives. And until we retake that ground, until we take that tool away from Satan, he's going to use that in other areas of our life. Um, I've found that a lot of times when I'm struggling with some sort of sin, whatever it might be, that a lot of times the lying will go right along with that. And it's almost, it's almost, like, it's almost like, a, like, a, like a side sin. Um, 
Like as a little kid, you know, you do something bad. What do you do? You lie to cover it up. Lying wasn't the initial sin. It was you did something else. And lying went right along with that. And it wasn't until you got right and you got honest that you were able to take care of that other sin. I think a lot of times it works, it doesn't matter how old you get, the same thing happens in our lives. We're struggling with some sort of something, and we cover it up, and we're deceitful about it. We don't want other people to know about it, and we try to hide it. And until we get honest and we take away that deception from Satan, he uses that deception to hold us in whatever the other sin might be, and maybe get us another sin as well. And until we're willing to be honest and to, as the Bible says, gives the analogy of, of walk in the light and not walking in darkness. Until we're willing to do that and be honest, again, with God and with ever who we might need to be honest with, I don't think we're ever going to be able to, to really have victory like God wants us to have. And, you know, when you're, when you're harboring sin in your life and you have these, these unconfessed things in your life and you're being deceitful in your life, that... That is, that is blocking you off from God. That is, that is cutting off your relationship with God. And no, you don't lose your salvation. No, God doesn't stop loving you. But the relationship that he wants to have with you, it, it just can't be there. You think, you think of an earthly relationship. Um, I've, I've heard, I haven't experienced this obviously, but I've heard in a marriage, you know, when, when a spouse isn't being honest with the other one, um, that's when the relationship starts to deteriorate, and there has to be honesty in a marriage. And it's the same in any relationship. If you're not honest with someone, your, your, your relationship isn't really ever going to be on a deep level. And it's the same with God. Um, when we're dishonest, we're, we're, we're blocking, we're, we're cutting off, we're, we're, we're damaging that relationship with God. And that's a terrible thing. And not only that, but I think when we're deceitful and we lie, we grieve the Holy Spirit, and we sear our conscience. We see that um, principle in the New Testament, that when you sin, you're searing your conscience. And the more you lie, and the more you have to keep lying to covering up your lying, and, and maybe covering up the other sin, the more and more you're searing your conscience. And again, you're, you're destroying that relationship with God and that ministry of the Holy Spirit in our lives, which is an amazing thing. Um, so take, take away that tool from Satan. Take away that tool from Satan. Um, no, I found in, in my own life, like I said, there was, there was a particular thing that I struggled with for many, many years. Um, and it, it, was, it was destroying my life. And it wasn't until I was willing to be honest before God and, and before people I need to be honest with that I really started to see victory in my life. And that was because, in effect, I took away that tool from Satan. And Satan no longer had, had, had any control over, over me in that way. Um, and there's other areas in my life where I just, I just could not have victory. It's like, why, why can't I have victory in this area? Well, it was because I was giving tools to Satan. And when I took those away, and I was honest, and I was walking in, as well talks again, walking in the light, I was walking in honesty. It was like I was giving a tool to God. I was like I was taking that tool from Satan, and I was giving it to God. And then he could, he could then work in my life. Um, so... I don't know how that would apply to each one of us. Um, I'm sure if we, if we thought about it, um, there might be areas in our lives where you say, you know what, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not fully honest in this area. And a lot of times there might be a, named, a name attached to that, you know, I'm not being honest to this person. Um, 
maybe I'm not being honest to, to my employer, maybe I'm not being honest to my spouse, maybe I'm not being honest to, who knows? Um, and I just want to tell you, when you're, when you're being dishonest, whatever area it might be, you're, you're, you're giving a tool to Satan to work in your life. And the thing is, Satan only has a right to that tool if, if you give it to him. And at any point, you can take away that tool and you can give it to God. And that's the area of, of confession of being honest. And, and I think we'd all say there, there really isn't anything that's worth holding on to that would be something that, that is damaging to our relationship with God. And I'm sure we've all been at points in our life, and maybe you are right now, um, where you can, you can say, you know what, there's absolutely nothing between me and God. And that's, that's an amazing place to be in. And it's something, once you experience it, I mean, you, you, ne- you never want to get away from that point. But it seems like we so easily do. We let things come into our lives, and we, we hide them, and we cover them up. And it, and it cuts off that sweetness of fellowship with God. And it seems, it seems like a really hard step to take that step of getting honest. Maybe, maybe it would be embarrassing. Maybe it will damage our reputation. But the thing is, I think, I think we'd all admit if we really thought about it, you know what, that, that really doesn't matter. You know what, my relationship with God is more important than anything else, than my so-called reputation, um, you know, than, than people's opinions of me. Um, and that's, that's the point that God wants us all to be in to have that, that sweet fellowship with him. And so I just, I just want to leave us with that thought. Are we, are we honest? Are we people who are characterized by honesty? Are we honest with ourselves? And uh, one, of, one of the ways that, that God helps us to help us see our own needs is through his word. Um, he calls his word a mirror, and it shows us our own problems. Are we honest with others, or are we like that false balance, always just off a little bit? Do we value truth? Are we willing to stand for truth? Are we willing, like we, like we saw in the psalm, to stand by our word? Are we people of our word? Or do we hide? Are we letting Satan use the tool of deception in our lives? And um, listen, when I, going back again to the, to the time I was traveling here just a couple months ago, um, had a lot of opportunities to, to counsel teenagers. And, you know, they'd always come to you with all these problems and be like, man, this is something I've just struggled with for so long, and I just can't seem to get over it. You'd always ask them, well, I mean, have you talked to your parents about this? I'd be like, well, no, you know, I've, I've gone to God with it, but I've never talked to my parents. And it was amazing when every time they took that first step of, of confession, of getting right with who they need to get right with, and taking off, um, we could almost call it the, the cloak, that, that deception, you, you take that off. And it's just amazing the light that can come in and just the joy that you immediately have, the peace you immediately have. And I, I, it, was, it was many, many times I would, I would encourage someone to do that. And maybe it's something that they've been hiding from the parents for years and years and years. And they come to me and say, you know what, I talked to my parents and it was really hard. But I can't even tell you how I'm feeling right now. And I had a bunch of guys tell you I feel like a new man. And... That's what, that's what confession, just honesty, does for you. You know, a lot of times, initially, it'll seem like the hardest step in the world. 
But I don't know if I've ever talked to someone who after they took that step, they regretted it. Because it's just that renewed fellowship with God and also renewed fellowship um, relationship with, with people in our lives is totally worth it. So we should be people of truth. So I hope, I hope this was helpful this evening. Probably a lot of it wasn't new, like I said in the beginning. Um, but God, God wants us to be, to be people of truth. And I don't think we're ever really going to have any impact on our world at all. Not like God wants us to have. Um, as individuals or as a church, unless we are people of truth. We're people who are honest. We're people who live honest lives. So I don't know if, if God's um, talked to you in, in any way. I know he convicted me in a lot of different areas as I, was, as I was just studying this out. But we as God's church, we need to be an honest people, and we need to walk in the light. Dear Lord, um, I, I, I do just pray, God, that you would just um, help our church to just be a church that, that is being used by you um, and is just is, is an honest church. And, and Lord, there's a church that, Lord, is, is, a, is a source of